Hey, 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 moms and daughters of the world. Word on the street is there's a new popular podcast in town taking the world by storm. And the teen TV drama mamas, Angie and Dr. Nikki, have been spotted on many different platforms. And I don't mean the ones in Grand Central Station. Sources say they've been talking trash behind all of our favorite celebrities' backs about their naughty behavior. And they want to teach them a lesson and set the record straight. So join us for the happening party with brilliant and helpful insights into the psyche of those badly behaved teen TV characters we know and love, where we give you a fresh new way to approach many distressing age-old problems so you can have more fun and a stronger connection with each other than you ever dreamed possible. XOXO, love the TV drama mamas. Mwah. Bye. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. Let's talk about Gossip Girl. We've got lying to the, to the person you love. We have parent and daughter parents grounding daughters we have the takeover of the the girl group like the queen bee girl group we've got so much to talk about in episodes 14 and 15 nikki what do you think i completely agree about what you just said there is so much to talk about and i can't believe how low or what stunts people are willing to pull in order to keep their status or to keep them feeling okay or for other people to not know what's going on with them. Mm -hmm. It's just amazing the lengths people are willing to go. I don't know if you think about that as well, but I'm just floored. Now I'm like, Nikki's coming over to my side of the boat because I feel like we've had we're watching this and I'm thinking like, this is preposterous. This is just over the top. These issues happen and these, these situations occur, but on a more subtle with a little more kindness, I think in real life, it's not this as outright ridiculous, like terrible actions and saying these mean vicious things and you were saying like no I think there are kind of some of these dynamics where people are really saying like mean things and hurtful and being deliberate but now this we've gone to next level preposterous and now we're both like this is like sort of silly over the top but again I think what we like about Gossip Girl is it mimics real life this it just like amplifies we have this magnifying glass look at how I feel when my friend betrays me even though my friend isn't actually taking over our friend group and telling all the other girls like we're not hanging out with Angie anymore right 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 totally I I completely agree with you I I think it had been fairly tame and calm up to this point but now they have ramped it up to a different level 
of craziness that even I, who definitely am so aware of where the oppressions are, where things happen to people, knowing that a lot of the stuff is actually happening, maybe not so visible or so not in our face, but definitely happening. But this was a different level. Yeah. So, and there were a couple of different levels in there. Like, so you see Blair kind of ousted out of the group. Serena clearly is still friends with her. And it's interesting because Serena and Dan are going out. So I don't know what her relationship is with Jenny, but I definitely know that Blair has decided to be kind of mortal enemies, or that's the person that she's kind of focused on in terms of trying to get one over on. So that's a really interesting thing. But, but Blair says to Serena, how do you get out of all of this gossip unscathed? And Serena says, it's because I'm nice. And here's an opportunity for you to be nice. And I just don't think Blair can do it because the second she's wronged in any way, she turns. It's so amazing how quickly Blair will turn with her friendship with Serena, you know, with her group, with whether she's going to be nice or not. I don't think she's capable of being consistently nice if she feels hurt in any way. Yeah. Well, and I think the word nice is uh, we can look at the word nice and how do we define nice and how girls, especially in our society, are expected to be nice. And mm. this idea that you you can be powerful and you can be smart and you can be strong and you can be a winner, but you have to be nice. People are not accepting of a bitchy girl and that um I think that I I mean to look at that and think of Serena saying look this is your opportunity you can play nice that's not who Blair is in her heart she's not a terrible person because if Serena is hurt Blair wants to stick up for her friend and she wants to protect the people she cares about and she loves her dad and we know that she has insecurities but Blair has a bitchy personality. She's not nice. She's not fake sweet and saying like, okay, I don't mind you guys. Let's all hang out. She doesn't, that's not who she is. So it's almost like change yourself, Blair, and then you can fit in with the crowd. Oh, that's so interesting that you say that because I'm not equating nice with people pleasing Mm -hmm. and doing something against your uh, you know, I mean, you said nature. I don't know, is, is is our nature beginning like that or not? Or has she learned that that's the way she can get as much as possible? Yeah. I mean, I think that a young person does whatever they need to do in order to somehow survive. And that's how Blair survives. So I don't even know if that's her true nature or not. I mean, it clearly comes out that way as her nature. That That's very different from people pleasing, which is spending all of your time trying to make somebody happy with you so you can get like, little crumbs of love or whatever you're getting and you know and basically it's lying because if you're trying to please them but you're not pleasing yourself at all and you're feeling really bad and you're angry at them it's not like you're doing anything really wonderful but when I think of being nice I don't mean the the girl version of it where we're judged on how we're nice or not it's about being thoughtful like why am I doing this 
what am I trying to achieve here? And does that make sense? And am I actively looking to ruin somebody else's life? Uh Like it looks like Blair is actively looking to ruin lives because she feels so hurt. So what do you do when you feel hurt, when you feel betrayed, when you feel like somebody has wronged you? And half the time when I feel like somebody's wronged me, it really hasn't been that they truly wronged me. It just triggers something in me that makes me remember something and brings up a feeling for me. Like I always can go back and work on the early little Nikki that somehow felt really bad. Oh, that's a good point. Maybe that's why we like Gossip Girl because it's so, someone has like viciously, deliberately wronged her. Like it's not, it's, and we have the reaction in our real life of feeling like, Hey, that was offensive. That wronged. I feel wronged in some way. And then we can look at it. But in this case, we have these two girls, I would say Jenny specifically went out with the aim of I'm taking Blair down. I'm going to rule the girls I'm stepping into this role. I, Jenny kind of switched into some some kind of fierce robotic mode of this is my, I will now rule the girl group, which was out of character. And then Blair felt ousted and ignored and and was, and they set her up and they sent her there to, I mean, you know, all the the real true events that occurred to Alice Blair and so she wants to get back and she's viciously going after taking Jenny down her downfall and yeah I mean I don't know I don't know what that means but we can look into it and how do we react when someone does that to us and how do we react when we just feel as if someone has hurt us can we react with compassion or do we just go after them? <laughs> right, right. I mean, and we will look for all the evidence that they are somehow being unkind to us, mean to us or whatever, like right. all of that confirmation bias stuff where you have a feeling and you know a thought related to it and you truly believe that that is real and absolutely going on and you will find all the evidence you need in order to do that. So it's just really, but, but I was thinking about what you just said and Jenny didn't start like that. Did you feel bad for her when she started talking to Rufus about, you know, how hard it is that she has to eat at a brown bag lunch in the bathroom and then act as if she somehow is not hungry when she goes out with her friends or not. That's the class stuff that ends up happening when you try to jump class. So if you're working class, or I would say maybe they're middle class, I'm not sure, you know, going into an owning class environment, there's always this separation that somehow you feel constantly. Now, Jenny just feels like there are two modes. Either she has friends or she has no friends. Mm -hmm. I'm sure that there are other people in that school that somehow are kind of in the same boat as Jenny or some owning class people that are not quite as pretentious and not quite as mean. I don't know. What do you think about that? Yeah. Jenny is a little tunnel visioned on this one group, which to me has never aligned with her personality from what we've seen from episodes one through 10, Jenny's personality was not like she should be best friends with Blair. They, they should definitely be doing things together. And then we see her dad says, you know, these hanging out with these people has made you want to 
not be the person that you were or kind of give up on your character or change. And he said, so for a punishment, I want you to be grounded and I want to spend more time with you, which I thought was interesting. We're seeing, I guess, quote unquote, good parenting because he's not just grounding her. He wants to spend more time with her, make sure she's on track. She's connecting with good people. But for Jenny, I don't know that it all just seemed a little over the top for her to go into that crowd, to have that idea that she was going to take over to the group to get so sucked in that she's stealing dresses and asking, calling to ask for $8,000. And I mean, that was a really quick kind of turnaround there. Is Nate turning out to be like the good guy of everybody? Like what's up with Nate? (laughs) I I saw that too and Serena even said she made that comment that good guy comment and I thought it would be funny to just get like what how do we define a good guy and for anyone Mm. listening how do you what does it mean to be a good guy or a good girl right like what is what is our standard for who's a good person and especially in this world where people are evil and are lying and hiding their past um, in the gossip girl world, gossip you know, I, I definitely, world. okay. <laughs> I was like, well, I, I'm not having quite such an experience in my world, but in the gossip no girl world. No one has world. roofied you this week. None of your, none oh. of your dear friends. Nobody you know? roofied me this week. Do you believe that? I mean, should we go into that? That was crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think, I think Serena's past is starting to come back a little bit because we really don't know exactly what happened. We know she just went away mm-hmm. and now she came back and now we're getting little dribs and drabs, but that was so interesting. The boxes and the presents her friend Georgina sent to her, yeah. which she blamed on Chuck. Right. So we have a little, a little window into what was going on with Serena before she was kind of swooped away before the series even began. So we saw some cocaine, we saw some porn, we saw a lot of champagne. Yeah, exactly. Right. So we have this idea of her past, this wild party girl past, which they've alluded to, but we, it's still a little mysterious. And then this person shows up from the past. We, we don't know anything about Georgina and, uh, Clearly she wants old Serena to be, she wants party girl Serena and Serena doesn't really want to come clean. She wants to walk both worlds and be, I can be a party girl with Georgina, even though I'm stressed out about SATs and then I'll just still keep my, my great relationship with Dan and I'll work hard and study for SATs and I will still secretly keep this party girl like vibe alive with I don't think she's secretly keeping a party girl vibe alive I think she's trying to bury the party girl that had happened before like you know I there's something that Georgina has over her and so she made a comment she's like you know how I get when my feelings are hurt that's what Georgina said to Serena at some point and she's clearly blackmailing her you know emotionally or whatever she has over her in the past and Chuck said something about that it's like what does she have over you 
that you are going to lie to me and lie to Dan. Yeah. And that's really, really interesting. But Serena said something that I thought was interesting. She said, you could talk me into anything. And so somehow Georgina has this hold over her in some way, whether it be she feels like she's going to out her or that she does have this pull that keeps wanting to bring her back. Mm -hmm. I mean, is that true of most people that have struggled with drugs and alcohol and so on? Is that the pull somehow is there? And how do you decide that you don't even want it anymore? Like that is not the way in which you find joy, happiness, connection, and love. And so it's just fascinating to me how this has started to happen. Mm-hmm. And we see that Serena is, she has worked hard to build her new life, to change what she's doing and where she's finding love and where she's finding confidence and value and self-worth. And she's established that. And it's just like one person from your past comes in, they keep reminding, you know, kind of steering you in that direction. And she wants to bury it, but also not tell Dan instead of saying, Hey, Dan, look, I'm really, I'm in this hard place because my old friend showed up. I don't want to go down that path anymore. She just lies to him every time she sees him. And then before we know that Georgina has something holding that she has some, some hold over Serena, she roofies her. So this is another situation where I just think oh okay, that's, this is too preposterous. What our friends do to us is sort of convince us maybe like, oh, come on, you can have a little to drink tonight. You can stay out a little later. Or if they want us to be in their world, if a friend sees one friend kind of shifting into another zone, which it looks like that's what's happening. Georgina maybe missed her own SATs or she didn't become successful or happy or find a way to live her life that way. And she sees Serena going down that path and she doesn't want to see Serena succeed. She wants to pull Serena back into her world so they can both party together. So Um, do you think that's why she pulled her back in her world? Because she wants to party with Serena and love Serena? Like what other reasons do you think people would try to pull somebody in their world. I think in some ways they feel really bad. And so I was thinking about me a little bit because I stopped drinking about 20 some odd years ago. And there are definitely friends that won't go out with me because I don't drink. And I think part of it is they feel either bad or somehow like, like, uh, you know, I don't know, what's the, what's the word I'm thinking of Angie, like that they feel guilty about something or something is going on. And I, I find that in a lot of different ways, like, you know, ways in which people don't want to be around people that somehow mirror things to them that make them feel bad about themselves or know that they should change in some ways, because it's not working for them. That doesn't mean drinking is necessarily bad or not, right? you know, but, but there is something, but I found it really interesting that these friends never invited us to the house again and we're still really good friends with them Uh you know they just (laughs) they felt bad and I never said one word about the alcohol I wasn't like oh you should stop drinking oh oh you're drinking too much you know they just like felt bad so why do you think that Georgina went to the lengths of roofing Serena in order to 
you know, it's just fascinating. It's fascinating. I mean, I, the, the roofing thing, yeah, is <laughs> totally, she, they, she just said, we'll get sodas. And then when Serena got up from the table there, she just had the vial of drugs already in there and, you know, secretly put it in the drink. It was just so silly, but I think, it's such a good point that you bring up Nikki, right? We want to, we want to be in the group that's like accepting of our behavior. And if we get any hint that someone isn't completely accepting of our behavior and the way that they're doing it too, then we, because of our own insecurities, we start thinking like, are they judging me? Do they think I'm drinking too much? Do they think, and then we become uncomfortable, not because of what the other person is doing. We, it's all of our insecurities start to come out. And if everyone in the group is doing the exact same behavior, that lets us hide our insecurities. We don't have to think about them too much right so true so true it's really very interesting it's interesting yeah yeah you know and then what's what's with Jenny going off trying to find a boyfriend she was saying that's the one thing Blair doesn't have now so it always looks like she needs a one up and I thought that was so interesting so she took her little protege you know I don't know the name of that younger one with her like the one that she has a little bit of a hold over because all the rest of the friends did actually turn on her and go back to Blair which why Blair would want to be friends with people that could leave her so quickly and come back so quickly what is that about what is that about our groups that can get mean to us and then all of a sudden we're like oh thank god they're back and it's like we're waiting for the other shoot a drop constantly, but Mm -hmm. we're willing to take them all back. Mm -hmm. What is that without even working on it, without even saying to them, Hey, what happened here? Like, how can we prevent this again? That was so hurtful and so painful. Yeah. I mean, that's such a good point, Nikki. Like these are just caricatures. These other girls of like a set of three or four, we don't know their names. They're always there. They're just like groupies. We don't see any real friendship. We never see someone crying and sharing their story and then someone else supporting them in this group. We only see one person ruling them and then they're the groupies. And I don't think that's how real friendships work in real life. It's much more of a bonding togetherness exchange. There's something you like about that person and something interesting in your conversations and your and your time together and a reason that you, and we can have all different friendships, right? We have some people that we really like having a deep talk with and other people that we, we never have a deep talk with, but we have a great time working out at the gym together. I don't know what categories each different friendship is in, but this does not seem like any category of friendship. It's just groupies and one leader and they're they're just willing to be followers. (laughs) Right. So this is about control. You know, Mm -hmm. it's about controlling people. It's about making sure that your surroundings are somehow exactly as you want them. So probably you don't have to feel very much or feel much different or feel bad in any way. Mm -hmm. So, you know, watching their friendships is definitely about control. And Jenny was the one person that she couldn't control in an easy, understandable way. So I think that's why they kind of became 
pitted against each other. Yeah. But so she's off finding a boyfriend and she's Which again to- is completely disturbing. What kind of young woman is like, I need to rule the group. What do I need? A man. I think it's so yes. what are we doing? Oh my God. I don't need to grow as a human and become better and, and you know, learn to do wonderful things that you know, either I evolve with, or I need a man to somehow show up with. And this is the second time she used a man. I mean, didn't she bring Nate with her to the butter thing so that she could offer him up as a, you know, as, as a guy that somebody else wanted just to make Blair feel bad. Like really it's the, you know, and I'm sure it's happened a lot more, but it's just been very interesting watching Jenny, you know, think that this guy that she did like who bumped into her and and ruined her hot dog or whatever with his last dollar in his hand was more the court jester rather than the king until she found out that he actually owned the dogs and maybe he only had a dollar in his pocket because he only had credit cards I have no idea what happened there but that was kind of crazy and he turns out at least from what I can tell now to be a nice guy but you never know with Gossip Girl that's for sure what the story is and why they're introducing this character yeah who knows? Um, I I thought, well, well, bringing this back to Georgina said, I wrote down this line. She said, you can't just decide to be someone else. When she mm-hmm. was telling Serena, you can't just decide. We want everyone to stay in their roles. And if I, you are this role, that's who you should be. And then we see G, um, Jenny is doing the same thing. She's kind of deciding to be someone else which I think you can do, you should do when you're younger, you can decide who not to be someone else, but to who you want to be, you can intentionally look at who you want to spend time with who you where you want to put your energy, you know, what, what you want to do with the time that you have in your high school, younger years, and you can decide who you want to be. And here we see Jenny deciding that. And then I guess her mission now is to be kind of ruling the friend group or on Blair's level. She wants to be that queen. And now she's reconnected a little bit with her sewing machine and her dad reminding her, hey, you have values. And I mean, I don't know, we're see. So she's kind of in between these making a change completely from who she was before to keeping some of her own characteristics and bringing them into the new queen bee dynamic. Yeah. I I really love what you said about that. Like, you know, so I think that we're put into roles, especially in school and they really aren't who we are. We just kind of happed into them in some weird way. Like, you know, there were certain people that were kind to us or certain people that accepted us or certain people that made us feel away. But I never felt like anybody at school really knew who I was. And I, I definitely think about that because I have like a you know, it's like a a 40 year reunion coming up. And there were so many things that I never knew about the people that I somehow had judgments about what they were going through in their family, what was happening in their life, what they loved to do or didn't love to do. So somehow you get boxed into these roles, but you really don't know 
what everyone is truly like, and it's not necessarily who you are. So Mm -hmm. it, you know, that interesting thing about being part of the status quo and continuing it that, that way, or the status quo is never really a true version of what was going on. Yeah. And back in the real world, I think sometimes our, the, our category or who, who we get defined as, depending on if your parents are telling you like, you're sporty, you've always been sporty, or you're a soccer girl, or you're a smart, you're a smart guy. You're always, whatever category you feel like you might be pigeonholed into. Then in high school, sometimes we see, I remember when I was younger, like whoever made the cheerleading team, then it was like, oh, you're a cheerleader now. This is how we think of cheerleaders. And this mm-hmm. is how we think of um, it, if anybody dressed goth, you know, it, you couldn't be goth one day and then dress preppy the next day. The whole school would have a riot, I think. Oh my God. You cannot switch groups, but if you started dressing, you were like a skater boy and then you started dressing more goth, it had to be a very slow transition. The goth group was not going to accept you right away. Um, I'm wondering if that's changing now. I really, especially with less gender identification and more fluidity in gender so that we don't have all these pigeonholed defined roles and there is some more opportunity to decide who you're going to be that you don't necessarily have to be the same however you were at freshman year you may have changed and dressed differently or identify with a different group as a junior and people might be more accepting of that now it seems like I, I mean, I think in certain areas, definitely like that idea about being queer nowadays is kind of a more accepted thing. And it is kind of a thing. Like it's almost in some spaces, if you're not that, you're not part of the popular or whatever group, but, you know, kind of focusing on gay oppression is still a huge thing in many schools. So, you know, for guys in particular, the worst thing that you could somehow be called is girly or gay or something like that. And I still think that's very present. So it really depends on where you are and the groups do definitely change. I mean, there is so much more ability for that fluidity and people understanding a bit more, but I still think it depends on what spaces you're in and who you're with. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a good opportunity for all of us to check in with ourselves too, right? Think of people, you know, in your life who you have seen change and grow and evolve and do you have your own reaction towards like, no, I want you to stay the same or no, that's not really you. You're this person. I already know you. Do we have a little bit of a resistance? I'm certainly guilty of this uh, to saying like, no, 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 you don't have to change it this way. And then it just takes time to, to get to know the new evolution and accept, okay, you're you're changing into this now, right? You're growing into this, this, I thought I knew you, or I thought I had to find you or our friendship this way, but now things are changing and we can accept it. But noticing when we have that resistance. 
Right. But so the question is, why are we having that resistance? Yeah, and I think why? most of the time we're having it because we believe that somehow we're going to be left out or get the short end of the stick or somehow not have the friendship or whatever it is. So there has to be like a true belief in our mind that their evolution actually does not necessarily impact us or not. Now, friendships will come and go. You'll lose people along the way. I think that's part of the process of growth and change in general. And I think that's the one thing that we are here to do. We're here to evolve. We become, you know, more of the person that we want to be. We grow into the world the way we want to, whatever it is. But that's the one thing that we get to do is an evolution of us as a human in some way. So, you know, to check in, like you said, and decide, you know, does that mean that I somehow am going to lose out? And that's probably why we have the resistance. Yeah. And then to the, back to the gossip girl insanity level, like she, Georgina realized that Serena had evolved enough into her solid self, her not party girl self, that she was going to lose her. So she convinced her using that whole identity and saying, I admire you, Serena, for having changed and you've inspired me. Can we meet for one hour just so I can talk to you and get to know the new Serena? And it was so sneaky. And that's when she roofied her. Oh my God. That was so incredibly, I like the word sneaky. Oh my God. So clearly Georgina has the ability to enroll people to get close to people and she's using that in order to either keep an old friendship or somehow hide something or oh my god it was so horrible but then at the end when she realized that Serena was so upset and she had come back and said don't you ever contact me again mm-hmm. what does she do she goes to Dan and and it, it, oh it creates god. a false identity Right. Serena says, never contact me again. Serena cuts ties. And then we see her manipulate her way into a a surprise, quote unquote, surprise meeting with Dan in which she introduces herself as I'm a sweet, friendly girl named Sarah. Uh, who has a dog and a golden retriever oh my god that is like the friendliest dog ever where did she get that golden retriever from like who did she steal it from I mean probably Jenny's dog walker multi-millionaire millionaire (laughs) you're so (laughs) right about that oh my god but now I'm dying to see what happens. Like I, you know, I'm not watching ahead. So, because I really want to, you know, we want to give you guys like our full attention to what we're seeing and how it's evolving. But part of me really wants to move ahead. Like what happens with that? Yeah. And I don't know. You're going to have to wait till next week. You might know. (laughs) No, I haven't watched ahead at all. So yeah, I'm interested to see what happens next. One more thing before we wrap up. the What about the sibling dynamics here of the Serena and her younger brother and her feeling protective and they get along and they talk to each other. And then we have Jenny and Dan. And he when Jenny was so mortified after stealing the dress and trying to take over the group and getting caught and he said, you have a lot to offer, Jenny. He, he had really encouraging words for her. I love these 
these sibling relationship where there's a little bit of bickering fighting, but it's a lot of support and trust there. Yeah, no, I, they seem kind of real. I mean, they mm -hmm. seem like they could be a real interesting, you know, supportive environment of these relationships. It's interesting though, now that Chuck is part of that family and it's fascinating that they put them together as a family. So then Chuck's influence over Eric. Now, I don't think it's necessarily going to be that bad because Eric said something about like, he doesn't look at me like I just got discharged from the Ostrov Center. Right. He doesn't treat me as if I'm going to break into. Fragile. Yes. And fragile. And I thought, you know, I, actually, it might not be bad for Eric to have somebody around who trusts his ability to be able to keep afloat, mm -hmm. you know, as opposed to everybody being so careful. Now we know Chuck and we know Chuck can be a real jackass, <laughs> that's for sure. But at this moment, I can't tell that Chuck and Eric's relationship is necessarily a bad thing. And I think that Chuck is looking for a sweet protege. Mm -hmm. Like he's looking for somebody that he can actually mentor in some weird Chuck way. And I think Eric has become that, that's for sure, because he likes him and doesn't think the worst of him and doesn't distrust him. Yeah. And so. even I noticed even Serena, when she woke up after being roofied and realized she was going to miss the SAT, she called Chuck to save her. She said, keep the door open. Um, and Chuck has somehow turned into a stepbrother. He's sort of like, I'm part of your family now. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm interested to see what happens with that. But I appreciate the the sibling dynamics that we see happening here too, that that's part of the story. So do we like that Chuck actually hired somebody to take Serena's SAT? I, I'm like kind of on the fence about it. I'm thinking, well, that was pretty damn smart I and know. very resourceful. And Chuck pretty... is such a low bar. We're like, that's kind and generous. Chuck. It was it, kind and generous in a Chuck in mind. A Chuck you know way. what I mean? That's right. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I'll just tell you one quick story that, that I was trying to figure out whether it was kind or generous or not. So my daughter, you know, and she's probably going to kill me about this, but she used to steal a lot from Whole Foods. It's uh -huh. a very like, you know, it's a big store. They have a lot of good food. She would steal a lot. And I'm like, why are you stealing from Whole Foods? Like, you know, cause she would tell me about it because you have enough money. And so she said, well, you know, my friends are people of color and they don't have enough money. And if they went in to steal things, they would probably follow them around and they'd get caught. Mm -hmm. So me with my white privilege is able to steal for them so they could eat. And I'm like, is this Robin Hood? Like, I don't know if I'm pleased with you or if I'm mad with you. <laughs> sure. But, but it kind of reminds me of that. Like, Chuck was doing what he thought was best, which actually might save Serena's, if he hired somebody who was really smart or not, future getting into whatever school she wants to get into. So I thought that was really interesting. Right. In a very Chuck way, that was the most Chuck, like, you know, oh, someone needs help. I can figure this out. Um, right, right. Solution. Yeah, which, totally. yeah, he would have done for himself and now, and he would do for his for his stepsister, Serena. <laughs> to be continued. Yeah, so, very interesting. Yeah, so everybody, if, if you find this content interesting, like, share, rate, review, watch it together. Mothers and daughters, watch Gossip Girl together. 
see what we're talking about. Listen to the episode. We're going to have a workbook out soon. Do the workbook and really like, like get talking, talking about stuff that's going to make a huge difference in how strong and connected your relationships can be. Yes, that's what we're doing here. I, we should say this more often, right? Like this is our idea for a podcast. We want you all to be having these conversations, to be thinking about how you develop your friendships, how you change and evolve and grow as a person, who you who you interact with, how how long do you want to keep a friend that roofies you in your life and all <laughs> having zero. all this zero. And this is for the parents too, you know, because I think that, that, that we still carry pieces of whatever happened to us and continue the relationships we have with our children in that way, hoping that they won't suffer in the way we suffered, but everybody is, is doing their own thing. So I want you to be able to have relaxed, fun communication with each other without tremendous worry so that you could stay connected and not repeat these generational traumas. Like you got this and we could totally do this together. Awesome. Okay. Okay. So fun. We'll see you next week. Bye.